Is change taking too long? Why you need to stick with it is the topic for today. Welcome to Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how we can show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode. I do want to start out with a phrase that I probably say at least once a week to clients, but I have to coach myself through it quite often too, and that is consistency over intensity. When we're talking about the change process, consistency over intensity trumps almost every time. And one of the things we are so culturally, categorically terrible at is patience. And so I'm going to talk today about why patience is a virtue, There's another very specific adage that we get to plug right there. But change in general is a process and change in general has many components to it that when clients become more aware of it, maybe it buys them a little bit more patience and a little bit more gentleness and graciousness towards themselves in the process. And one of the places to start is talking about kind of the brain infrastructure. And when we decide we wanna make a change in our life, we have to understand that there is a history that we're going to be competing with. And so let's say I have had poor boundaries with eating for the last 20 years and I decide I want to make a change, taking two or three or four days and and trying a new style of eating is not going to undo or dismantle 20 years of poor behavior or poor habits. We do, though, have some really promising science on our side, and that is if you can coach yourself through 21 days of intentional change, you're already starting to soft wire your brain for change, which is going to help dismantle some of the hardwired patterns that have gone on for 20 years as it relates to the eating analogy that I used just a short minute ago. But a minimum of 21 days, and I feel like that's actually very widely accepted culturally. We hear a lot of people even casually reference that, you know, you have to stick to something for 21 days. You can look through a lot of programs out there that are 21-day programs that are trying to actually hack the science of a minimum of three weeks of solid commitment to get you started in the change process. So three weeks can get you a soft-wired pattern. When we're looking at long-term change, three weeks can be pretty rapidly undone if you don't continue on, unfortunately. So just because you commit to something for 21 days and then you stop, there will be regression. Um, 21 days does not buy you a new habit, but it starts to actually softwire your brain towards a new habit. And then we're looking more towards hardwiring patterns right around six months of intentional effort, which means showing up week after week after week, because it's not just about dis- um, it's not just about engaging a new habit. It's also about dismantling or pushing back against poor behaviors or poor habits that have already existed. And I want to give one analogy. Um, When I was doing body pump classes a couple years back, one of the coaches had talked about, she was at a training and they said, let's say you're doing bicep curls and you have poor form and you've been doing bicep curls for about six months with poor form. It's going to take close to 10,000 reps of new improved form to undo what you've done in the past with your poor form. And that's just a number that that's staggering to think about, but it really does take repetition after repetition after repetition. And what we're doing is we're um, myelinating the brain towards the new behavior. We're, we're hardwiring the patterns, but it really does take copious amounts of new behaviors to dismantle the poor behaviors that have already existed. So you really have to trust the process of change. You really have to commit to the process of change you've got to understand that motivation really does not do much. Habit formation is where uh, we start to unlock the kind of the magic of change. Um, If you're waiting to be motivated, you're probably not going to get very far. 
But science says if you're willing to practice a new skill for three weeks, then you really don't need to depend on motivation because you will have started soft wiring that brain pattern. And so some people might wonder when we talk about the process of change, what types of behaviors are we talking about? And really, when we talk about the change process in three weeks and six months and 10,000 reps, it applies in a whole host of ways. If I'm working with someone on dismantling negative self-talk, um, you know, a 10,000 repetitions of dismantling self-talk is going to happen by repeating a certain affirmation 100 times a day for three months. You're talking about hardwiring the brain with a new uh, way of thinking. When we're talking about um, goals that we have for ourselves, um, fitness goals, when we're talking about vocational goals, when we're talking about relational goals, there's so many places where habit formation really can start if we're willing to put together a plan and we're willing to work on it for the three weeks and we're willing to you know, see it through for six months. There really aren't a lot of places where this type of intentionality doesn't have a payoff. I'm going to go back to something we've talked about in several episodes already. When we are engaging the process of change, it is imperative to first and foremost figure out your why. Why is this a change that you want? Why is it a change that you're willing to fight for? The why is going to propel you through the discomfort of those first three weeks if it's important enough to you. Now, we use this all the time, especially with addictions, when someone is trying to impede a certain addiction lifestyle we will ask them again and again, what do you want more than the behavior? If we can figure out the why, often that's going to be what needs to really kind of gird them with strength going into the change process. Now, we also talked on Monday's episode, one of the steps of change is fear. So once you figure out your why, understand that fear is going to be a part of it. New things, unfamiliar things, that's going to be something you have to grapple with. The next piece is setting realistic expectations for yourself. Realistic, again, means consistency over time. It means committing to the process long term and setting up something, um, setting up steps along the way that will allow for small uh, successes to keep you engaged in the change process. And then the last thing is patience matters. Again, culturally, we really are just not good at this uh, by and large. But if you expect small, sustainable habits to become lifestyle patterns, patience is going to be key. And then we talk about putting in the work. And I've already referenced that idea of 10,000 reps. There's a lot of research. I think Malcolm Gladwell, uh, he's the one most recently that I've seen publish this, but there are several that preceded him, no doubt, that talks about 10,000 hours of effort being the kind of the sweet spot for making you an expert at something. And guys, if you think through 10,000 hours of effort, that is astronomical effort, which means you're probably talking about three, four, five, six years into the process of something before you should be referring to yourself as an expert. As a point of reference in the clinical work that I'm doing, the state of Michigan says that in um, a minimum of two years, you have to be an LL. PC. Um, but within that two years, you have to put in at least 3,000 related clinical hours, whether that's uh, direct contact hours or support hours. And so at that pacing, before I can consider myself an expert, we're talking about seven or eight years in the field in general before I can be confident that my, my skills are pretty on point and pretty developed. Now, I will say I'm 3,000 hours in and I do a pretty bang up job, but the reality is in two or in four or in six years from now, 
now, I, I'm going to be far more equipped in this field because I'm going to continue to put an intentional effort. As an educator, you talk to any first year teacher, of course they do a bang up job, of course they're trying their hardest, but you talk to them at their fifth year and they will look back always with shame and say, yikes, what was I thinking? That was not okay. Because that's what learning involves. Learning involves kind of nose to the grindstone, hour after hour, doing it again and again. And eventually, over accumulated time, you're going to be an expert. It matters because we have to set realistic expectations. Um, I have a client right now who recently uh, joined up with a bowling league and she happens to be the least skilled. And by least skilled, I mean the least practiced out of all of them. And she is feeling so embarrassed because people are um, knocking down pin after pin and, and she's struggling and she just talks so poorly to herself about it. And I, I reduce it solely not to skill, but solely to the amount of practice that she's put in. She's being so savagely hard on herself which makes no sense. If she wants to get better, she just has to put in the time and practice. And if she wants to practice, she's going to get better. That's just the relationship that um, shows up there. Now, a place where this becomes interesting is when we start to compare ourselves to others who have more practice. One place I see this so often is with parenting. When there is one parent who um, is doing their primary work in the home and the other one is out in the field doing some sort of work, the parent at home has organic automatic exposure to parenting, hands-on parenting, so much more than someone who's out in the workplace, right? And so what happens, and I'm going to I'm going to use gendered roles here. This is not how it turns out for everyone, but let's say mom is in the home and dad is at work. Often mom is spending seven, eight, nine hours a day with, with a kiddo and, and dad comes home and he feels like mom's just got it handled. She's slaying. She's doing a phenomenal job of parenting. And often the parent who's outside of the home will, will just feel inferior, like they're not as good of a parent. And the point is they're actually far less practiced as a parent. If they want to become more hands-on, and by more hands-on, I also am going to say if they want to become more confident in their parenting skills, it literally means they have to spend more face time with the child and practice parenting. The person in the home is getting that practice. The person outside of the home is not getting that practice. And often we have husbands and wives come in and um, husband will feel, if he's the one working, husband will feel so kind of disjointed that, that mom is the expert on everything and mom is the one who knows everything. And mom often feels that way too because dad just doesn't get it or dad doesn't do it the way I want it. The reality is one parent has practiced parenting significantly more than the other parent. And it's just a false equivalency to say, well, she's skilled as a parent and he's unskilled. Well, no, the, the one parent just needs more practice. And this shows up again and again. If you want to be a better golf player, you're going to have to show up and practice your golf swing. You're going to have to show up and practice your putting. You're going to have to show up and, you know, practice whatever other golf maneuvers one does. Um, you know, sports analogies, not so much my thing, uh, but I, I feel like you're getting the picture here with me. Uh, I'm someone who, you know, in the long game, Ooh, that's another sports analogy. Okay, uh, but I'm someone who in the long game wants to engage in public speaking. Right now, you hear my podcast, it's, it's relatively rough, but I'm going to practice again and again and again. And hopefully if and when those phone calls come that say, hey Steph, are you willing to come talk to us? I've put in enough practice to get better at that skill. And if I go and I botch it, or I go and it's not as spectacular as I want it to be, it's not me talking to myself about, you know, what a trash speaker I am. It's me saying, oops, 
looks like we need more practice. And that's exactly what I want you to walk away with is we have the opportunity to grow in skills if we're willing to put the practice in. So one of the things we wanna talk about is first, engage the process. Second, commit to the process. And the third piece is trust the process. If you keep showing up, you will get better. I mean, think about it. In, in the most logical way, if you keep showing up and practicing, how could you get worse, right? It just doesn't make sense. Show up and, and practice and you will get better over time. Now, again, the show's purview is to really talk through trauma, um, at least to an extent. One of the things that I know when we are engaging a trauma brain, so I, I have a, a brain that has a lot of kind of defense mechanisms and coping strategies and poor self-talk going on. The science helps us understand that even if I have some barriers to change, like I'm, I'm a little bit more shy around people, I'm a little bit slower to engage the change process, the science still works for me. So even though my brain categorically sees threats more uh, vividly than other people, or I'm just, I'm just more hesitant with things, this science still supports my change process too. And so maybe it takes me a little longer to get started. Maybe I have to practice reps. Maybe I have to take smaller steps throughout each part of the process. But change is possible for everyone, regardless of the circumstances from which you're coming. Now, I can't say change is equal opportunity by any means. That, that would be inconsiderate of people's context. But change is possible. And when your brain is saying, no, it's hopeless, it's not for me, or you're using defeatist thinking, I can promise you the science will push back against you every time and say, yes, change is for you as well. If you show up, if you trust the process, and if you engage the idea of consistency over time. So that's it, folks. Figure out your why. Start with 21 days. Stretch it to six months to hardwire your brain. And then put in the 10,000 hours to become the expert. What's separating you and the outcomes you want is more practice, so get out there and do the things. Thanks so much for following along. Find me on Facebook at Healing Through Pain. Feel free to email me, leave a review, and remember that sharing content helps spread the word. Thanks so much for tuning in.